Welcome to the Worthy Writer edition of the Write Something Worthy podcast. Each month, we bring you an informative interview that helps you live your best life as an entrepreneur. Here on the Worthy Writer edition, we take a deeper dive into authorship topics through conversations with notable writers and quality industry professionals. And now, your host, Tanya Brockett. Greetings and welcome to the Worthy Writer edition. Today, I'm going to share an interview that I did over the summer with author Jared Jones. Jared is an author of a fiction book called My Invisible Father. But as you will learn in our interview today, he started with the concept of a nonfiction book on parenthood. So Jared will share that story with you. Let me give you a little background on Jared. He has been a middle school English teacher in the St. Louis area since 2007. He earned his bachelor's degree in media communications from Webster University in Webster Groves, Missouri, and a master's degree in secondary education from the University of Phoenix. Throughout his teaching of reading and writing, he has always had a burning desire to write books for middle grade and high school teens that they can relate to, find enjoyment in, and create books that were alluring to them in a state of suspense. My Invisible Father is his first novel, and we'll talk about that on the show today. He's also written for a local St. Louis newspaper as a reporter and writer, covering stories from politics to sports to education and to business. His book, My Invisible Father, was launched over the summer when we recorded this interview. And on this episode, he's going to share some of the advice for writers that he has about marketing And he discusses the creative ways that he was able to reach his ideal reader. Listen in as I speak with Jared Jones. Welcome back to Write Something Worthy. I am so excited to offer an opportunity to venture a little bit uh, differently today and introduce the worthy writer in the fiction genre, which we haven't had yet on our podcast. But as you know, we are all writers and we all have messages to share with the world. We all have to market those books. We all have to get readers to read our book. So I wanted to share a a slightly different perspective than our usual author for our Worthy Writer edition. So I'd like to welcome today, Jared Jones. Welcome, Jared. Thank you. Thank you, Tanya. I'm glad to be here. It's great to have you here. Now, I'd like to hear from you um, what it is that inspired you to write your book in the first place. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Sure, sure. So uh, the book is uh, entitled My Invisible Father. And I would say uh, this was back in 1999, 2000. Um, I was a young father. I had three children, three young children, born in 95, 96, and 98 at the time. Uh, And it had been a desire in my heart to write a book for a long time, since I was like 13 years old, 12, 13 years old in seventh to eighth grade. I wanted to be a writer. Um, I thought I wanted to write for newspapers, which I ended up doing uh, for part of my life. But 
Um, I wanted to be a writer and um, my life went a whole different, different direction. Um, once I graduated college, I, I did write for a paper for a little while and realized that that could not take care of, of me and my family. I was just about to have my first child at that time, like in 94, 95. And uh, so I ended up working for a church and, and do, uh, doing a number of different things there and eventually became a youth minister at the church um, for uh, quite some time as well. But again, after I had all my first three children were born, I was uh, had this inkling to write a, uh, a book, a nonfiction book about parenting, uh, raise the child in the way that they should go. Um, from the experiences I had just felt just over those few four or five years that I had had kids, um, so that was the first inspiration of writing. Um, and then I kind of scratched that a little bit. I ended up getting. Uh, having some personal issues with, with a divorce, separation and divorce, and, and things just weren't set anymore. I had to start over, so to speak. And I just kind of put writing to the side and just focusing on um, just me focusing on, you know, working and spending as much time as I could with my young kids. So I just put writing to the side. Eventually, I started thinking about another book. Um, and uh, that was, was also going to be a nonfiction book. And it was going to be entitled The Five Fathers of Society, focusing on, you know, biological fathers, stepfathers, um, adopted and foster fathers, mentors. And then I also was looking at showing the, that in that book, um, God being a father to us all as well, or to those that accept him. Well, as I was doing my research and, and going through that process, um, by this time, I had I started teaching middle school, middle school English, reading and writing. And um, as I experienced that with uh, uh, teaching these kids and, and seeing so many reluctant readers and some great readers as well, um, my mind about that book started to change a little bit. I wanted to write something specifically for them. And I thought the Five Fathers Society nonfiction book might not go so well with 12 and 13 year olds. <laughs> so yeah. um, I decided to let's, let's, switch it up, and still kind of focus on those five fathers society, but uh, really make it uh, a fiction book that for teenagers that they can relate to and really focus on absentee fathers and those other people that could be uh, mentors or step in or help out. Um, so that's kind of how that inspiration came about uh, of, of showing, you know, we have a, a a population of, of absentee fathers and single mothers. And we, we talk about it a lot and, and, and we focus on it and we, we understand the statistics about it, but also want to show that there's a way out of that. I mean, there are people there who can step in. There are people who can mentor. Um, everyone doesn't have to be a statistic. I was born to a single mother who, who had just started high school. Right. And I feel like I, I'm not a statistic, so all these statistics of kids going the wrong direction in these environments, in these situations, don't have to be that way. We as a community can step up. And it's also showing that there are positive black role models, black fathers out there, and I uh, want to show that in the book as well. So that's, that's kind of an inspiration that uh, came about with this with this book. Wow. And so... You know, what's so beautiful about that is you're able to share those messages 
just as, you know, any particular nonfiction author would do, but you can put it in a format that can be more receptive to your ideal reader, in which case, yes. in this case, with the middle score. So that's that's perfect. Yeah, that's I mean, researching, doing, doing all the research about writing, reading all the books, going online, looking at the blogs, looking at the, at the uh, uh, webinars. Your audience, who is your audience? And actually, my first draft that I wrote, the first um, draft that I wrote of my, my Invisible Father when I sent it to my editor, he said, who's your audience? Because this seems like this is, this is for the adults. And I, you know, I had to realize that and take that, that, um, that advice, and I rewrote my entire story, basically. Still had some of the same characters, um, but I had to come from a different perspective, from a different point of view. Um, it was written in third person. So I switched it up and, and wrote it in first person. So the, the teenagers in that book were the ones who were speaking and it was coming from their perspective. So I had to realize who my audience really was and, and curtail my, my writing towards that. That is so key. As a matter of fact, I have a course for outlining a book that actually mm-hmm. takes uh, readers through their seven steps for really getting clear on what they're going to be embarking on, you know, their writing journey. And one of those is really zeroing in on that ideal reader. Who is that ideal reader? And I actually have them create an avatar for that reader so that they, while they are writing, can look Uh, at, you know, somebody that they might even name, you know. So maybe their avatar is Jasmine or, you know, or Jim, Mm -hmm. and they can actually be look at them while they're writing and say, oh, yes, I'm writing to Jasmine. Oh, yes, I'm writing to Jim. And I have to remember that so that I can stay in the right mode in the right, with the right information and the right message that they're going to receive. So yes, that is excellent. perfect. That is yes, so perfect awesome. that you went back through and really zeroed in on who your reader is. And one thing that's also interesting, when you're looking at middle grade fiction or any books, quite frankly, whoever your target is, you have to understand who's the target and who's the buyer. Because sometimes they're two different things. (laughs) You know, so you're writing to that middle schooler, but when it comes to marketing, you may have to market to the mom or the dad, right? And that is, yeah, and and for me, you know, I, I, I happen to have a good avenue for that being a teacher for the last 14 years that I've had mm. a number of parents who have, you know, we've had good working relationships and to be able to see what I'm doing now, I have a lot of parents who are supporting and backing um, this book. So you are so right here. Like that's so true. You know, when you're dealing with kids, you really have to know how to link and, and it's the same thing I do as a teacher, right? It's a, it's a, it's a team. You know, the, the teacher, mm-hmm. the parent, and the student all have to work together. And I just took that same um, realm and put it in, you know, quote, unquote, marketing my book the same kind of way. I'm talking to the kids about it, but I'm also trying to reach the parents. And I think that's been effective for them. That's true. You know, I could see a, a future uh, book for you being 
maybe a, a guide for your parents to talk about this story to their children. Mm. You know, that's, that's great. That, that, that sounds yeah. good because I, I never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, it could be it could be as simple as having a um, you know how you might have a book club guide for reviewing yes. your book. You have a yes. one page document that talks about the different yes. things that you can bring out of the book. Right. Well, the parents yes. could yes. have something that's designed for them to talk to their kids about uh, in wow. regards to the book. And, and I do have, I do offer for teachers. I offer a a, um, a, a one-page end-of-the-unit worksheet that they can download from my website. Um, I do have that for this book. But to do that with parents, you just gave me a whole other idea, and that's, that's awesome, right? That's, that's really awesome. That's great. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and, you know, that could also be a lead generator, if you will, you know, yes. from a marketing perspective, you could use that parent's guide as a, you know, give me mm -hmm. your name and email. I'll give you a parent's guide to use in this book to help, you know, work with your children. And so what a great gift that is, uh, is. for a parent, Absolutely. you know, because then they don't yes, have to, is. like, create the examples of the correlations exactly. and all that other kind of exactly. stuff, you know. Exactly. That's awesome. Thank you for that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's just so beautiful about being able to talk to authors about their project. Uh -huh. So many great mm -hmm. ideas can come forth in that conversation. I I have the joy of doing book coaching. And so all of our coaching um, appointments are recorded on the teleconference line because ideas like that come out and they're like, oh, my gosh, I got to write that down. And right, well, right. or can you say that again? And I'm like, I'm not so sure I can. So I yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> so, so anyway, great inspiration sometimes can come from great ideas, and and it sounds oh, like you've got a lot of great ideas that you can share with your reader and with those that support your reader, and that's yes. a positive thing. Absolutely. Now, tell me. Um, well, you know, this might be a really nice thing for you to do. Could you give us a blurb about or from your book that helps us to get a feel for um, what's inside sure, and how absolutely. you presented that? All right. Yes, I will do that. I'll just read directly from that, if you don't mind. Wonderful. Okay. Jaber never knew his father. Camry's father is in prison. And Asin's father is as good as gone for all the attention and affection he spares his son. For each of these St. Louis teenagers, the hurdles of adolescence grow higher and harder to, to conquer by their father's absences. When Jerry gets mixed up with the local drug dealer, his school work suffers, his life is threatened, and his long-standing friendship with his schoolmate Camry is fractured. Camry's desire for a perfect world forces her to look in the mirror and discover her own imperfections. At another school in a better neighborhood, Asin's explosive temper and social awkwardness leads to isolation and alienation. Through the unflinching and authentic voices of these compelling and ultimate likable characters, we experience the stark truth of the socioeconomic issues facing many of today's youth. And as they navigate the dangers of loneliness, poverty, drugs, violence, and begin to realize racial awareness, 
Their stories intertwine in touching and surprising ways that lead to tragedy, awakening, and ultimately the possibility of redemption. There it is. Wow. Wow. Now that sounds mm-hmm. like something that's uh, worth reading about and so relevant uh, to things that are going on right here and right now. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. It's, I feel like it's, it's you know, even I started writing this six years ago, and I feel like it's still relevant even six years later, right? I mean, obviously, I've done a lot of tweaking and, and um, co- correcting and rewriting and rewording, um, but, yeah, it was, it was really my heart's desire to make sure it really sticks for where we are in our nation, in our country, in our community. Wow. And that, that's wonderful. It, it's a good uh, marketing lesson as well. So from a marketing perspective for a book, the more evergreen it is, the better, right? So that means it can yeah. last longer. It'll have a longer right. shelf life yeah. and have meaning for a longer period of time. So that's uh, beneficial right there. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you said you were writing for six years. There are so many authors that I've worked with who are struggling to get their books out of them, which is one of the reasons for my my purpose is, you know, to help people to get those books out of them, keep them out of the graveyard, get them out of their hearts and their minds so that their readers can benefit from them right now. And sometimes it takes a while to get those books out. What do you think was your greatest challenge for getting that book finally out of you? Well, um, the greatest challenge, again, I, I work full-time as a as a teacher and I, for 14 years now. So during the school year, you know, creating papers when I come home, getting lessons prepared, it was just difficult to get much writing done at all. So I usually would write um, spring break, summer break, winter break, like, for the last six years, mm-hmm. those were the only times I really had time to write. And in addition, I also worked part-time for a library for the last five years. No, it's been six years with that as well. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. um, so during this whole six-year period, you know, I'm spending two nights a week at the library plus all day Saturday. And then I'm, I'm, I'm teaching, you know, during the school year. So the summer, the summer is the, the time that I really put forth my, my effort to, to do as much writing as possible. But that was one of the biggest challenges, just, just time, uh, finding that mm-hmm. time. I had ideas, and, you know, one thing I did is whenever I came up with an idea, even during the school year, I would write it down or put it on a Google Doc just to say, make sure it sticks there until I can get to it. Um, but, yeah, my time was was the biggest uh, encroachment to me getting this book done, done sooner and quicker. But I think it's all in the right timing. I, I just have to look at it that way. Yeah, I have that. um, I hear that a lot because in addition to being an editor and a book coach, I am also a ghostwriter. So many times authors come to me because they don't have the time to get Mm. that book out of them, but they know they have a message that they need to share. Right. Right. And so they want to be able to express those ideas but they just, they don't either have the time, the capacity, the capability to sit down at a computer and make it happen, uh-huh. right? Right. 
And right. so sometimes being able to just talk it through with someone, uh, with mm-hmm. a ghostwriter, is a lot easier. You can make time for a phone call, but it's harder right. to make time yeah. for, you know, several hours sitting down at the computer cranking out those words, right? right? Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, so, yes, time time is a common challenge for a lot of authors. No, I was going <laughs> to say, you know, um, writer's block is a real thing, and... Um, I, I, I did have some bouts with that. Um, but the one thing that kept me rolling again was, you know, there were times where I would wake up, it basically got to the point where I put a notebook um, on the side of my bed because I would wake up in the middle of the night and an idea would come and I just have to write that down. Um, those were some strategies that I began to use again, whenever, whenever possible to help me cope with that writer's block, because sometimes I would sit at that computer and have no clue where I'm going with it. So I have to go back to my notes. So those notes, those outlines, um, that helped me um, get past some of the, some of the other issues that, that, that I faced as well. Well, you know, that's one of the reasons that I created that Bebop uh, outlining course, because yeah. a lot of people were saying, I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. Well, mm-hmm. that program helps you to figure out, first of all, what you're going to write, but it also helps mm-hmm. you to um, write down how you expect to get your message across and whether that comes out in the quote-unquote logical form of an outline or whether it is more fluid. I, I offer three different ways to get those topics out of you. and. Wow then it almost writes itself because then you know when you go back to sitting, when you have that time to write and you sit down, then what you can do is look at where you last left off and then just start from the next spot. It doesn't matter whether you've got transition. It doesn't matter whether, you know, you finish that last thought. You're going to start at the next thought and you just keep writing. And you don't edit. You don't go back and reread you just write from that next point. And that ends up helping you to get it out onto the page. So then once you have it out on the page, then you can do all that massaging and rereading and, you know, refocusing and all of that. But oftentimes just getting it out the first time is the hard thing. And I like your advice about the journal because one of the things I also recommend is having what I call a tidbit journal. And so it's just a little, you know, a moleskin that's, you know, three by five that fits into your purse or your wallet. And, uh-huh. um, well, not your wallet, but, you know, in your pocket. <laughs> so that uh-huh. whenever those thoughts come up, yeah, jot down those thoughts. Get those thoughts out of your head and onto a piece of paper so that then you can transfer it into your outline or transfer it into right. your Word doc or Google doc or your Scrivener document, whatever it is. Yes. Yeah, so that's good advice to just jot those ideas down. I keep pen and paper on my nightstand as well, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in addition to all the books that are always there, too. Uh, when did you actually launch your book, and what was that experience like for you? How did that, how did that go for you? Well, the, the book was officially launched this past um, Tuesday, the uh, 15th of June. Oh, my, that um, soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, it was a, uh, it was my official launch. Um, there will be mm-hmm. another a launch for uh, release on uh, on Amazon and 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 
Barnes and Noble on the 16th of July. So I don't know which one can be considered the official date, mm. um, but you know, um, buyers are able to buy directly from my my website, or they can go onto um, Barnes and Noble and uh, Amazon and and pre-order from there um, until the actual launch date for them. Um, but it was it was uh, it was it was a lot. I will have to say that um, my last month of school, uh, I getting everything ready for for launch. I mean, I would spend I don't know uh, every hour after work, you know, after teaching, and I was teaching from home. I I, I taught virtually this entire school year. Um, so mm-hmm. as soon as I get off with my kids. I'll start working on the book. I'll start working on, you know, fit, polishing it up and, and, and that type of thing. <clears throat> and I would be up to 11, 11.30, 12 o'clock. And then I'll go to sleep, wake up the next morning, get ready for, for school, uh, virtual school, and then do it over again. And then there were some days, obviously, twice a week, I would have to go to the library from 5 to 9. I'd get off at 9, come home, and work on that book, work on the launch, mm-hmm. work on polishing it up. So it was it was it was an extremely long month and a half, maybe two months. My goal was to try to have the book finished before school was out, so I can have something for the kids to take home with them and and have a good summer read with. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, again, didn't come out until the fifteenth, and we've been out of school since March twenty eighth. Uh, I'm sorry, May twenty eighth, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, so. It was it was it was a lot it was a lot but I got lots of advice from different you know people that I know um, obviously I'm always always reading and, and going through different seminars and webinars um, to help me with that launch and in addition I I also launched uh, a music uh, uh, soundtrack to go with the book so I was pretty much doing double duty um, we would spend time in the studio laying down tracks, laying down music, laying down vocals. And I launched the first single on the 15th of, uh, of June with, along with the book. So, and that's part of my marketing, you know, because since I'm marketing to, to thir- from 13, 12, 13 to 19 year olds, I wanted to use a, um, a tool, uh, a hook, which is the music, the music that they like to listen to, some of that music they like to listen to. And the music is really focusing on the characters in the book, the, the plot of the book, different parts, different scenes in the book. And we just have like five or six songs that we're using for this entire project. So all of that went into this launch as well. Um, so that was a lot. It was a, it was a busy moment, definitely. And it's still busy, honestly. Wow. That's amazing. What a neat idea to introduce music, having a single come out with the book. I mean, it's one thing to have an audio book, <laughs> but yes. that takes an audio yes. book to another level, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, it was it was an idea that came to me back in 2019, November of 2019, because um, I was involved in music many, many, many years ago. And, you know, after my, again, after my divorce, I just had to drop a lot of things to, to get myself back together as far as my life is concerned. So music was no longer a part of my life. I mean, I still loved it, but I just knew at that point that it wasn't going to be a part of my life that like that again. Um, and then I was just focusing on this book. And then as I was writing it and, and dreaming about this book, this thought came to my mind about adding music to that, to this, to this project. So I never thought I would get into music again, 
but here we go, and I'm, I'm enjoying that as well. Wow, that is fun. Now, yeah. how does, all right, so you've got music to go with it, but do you have an actual audio book that they could listen to your reading of the book or the characters maybe reading of the book? Um, I do not. Versus reading no. Right. We do not have an audio book at this moment. I've been told by a few of my teachers that we need to do this. And I know the importance of it because, um, you know, there are so, so many students who are reluctant readers, who are low readers, who need that extra support. I 100% support audio books, even for children, for kids. Um, some parents are reluctant to it, but I want to, you know, let them know that uh, that's just another you know, it's it's not just reading the words on a page all the time. It's also being able to understand the story. And, mm. you know, I recommend that those that read uh, uh, or that listen to books also read the book along with it. And that's just a double amount of learning that they have. Um, so, no, I do not have a, a an, an audio book at this moment, but that is something really hopefully we can do down the road. We actually um, did the first three chapters, three teachers read the first three chapters um, of my book and we recorded it and then we um, played it for our students those last couple of weeks of school so they can hear, but they heard our they heard our voices. So it wasn't professional. I mean, we did have a couple of students who had really, really good voices, but it wasn't a professional done thing, but it was, it was good. And I, from what I heard, uh, all the students enjoyed it. Um, so that is hopefully something we will we will get into uh, in the near future. Oh, that sounds like a great idea. I really think that would be a good idea because there are so many people. Audiobooks are growing, you know, leaps and bounds yes. these days. Yeah, absolutely. It, so sometimes we may have a message that we want to share, and we think, oh well. I want to share it here and I want to share it this way. But sometimes our readers, our listeners may want to receive it in a different way. Even if we're not comfortable with that, sometimes we right. need to deliver what they need. Right. Yeah. And I look at it as, a, so, as a, like a coach. I look at it like a, like a coach. I used to coach basketball and sometimes as a coach, you have a certain way you do things, but those things may not work for the players that you have on that team that time. So it's like you have to kind of conform because that's that's who's out there playing the basketball. That's who's playing football, those players. So we have to make sure that we are in sync and we're doing what's best for them to make them better. And just as you said with readers, you know, same, same way. How, how do we um, cater our message to them because they're the ones who are receiving it? That's right. That is absolutely right. So... Thank you for sharing that. That's a good point to remember. Yeah. Are there some uh, points or suggestions that you would have now that you have released this book, as as hard as that was for you, given your time constraints and all of your other obligations, is there some advice that you would offer to someone else who's coming out now and thinking, can I do this? Is it even possible? Should I give up? Do you have some advice that you would share to other writers? Well, one piece of advice I would give is piece of advice that I got over well over a year ago um, is 
make sure you do your marketing well before you plan to even finish your book. You know, um, I started um, my company back in June of 2020, uh, June, June 25th, and that, that company is basically my music and my um, uh, I, I call it a publishing company, even though it's not like a big publishing company, but it's just an imprint. So that it mm-hmm. uh, that I'm working hand in hand with the music and the and the writing. Um, so once I started that, I immediately started writing backstory to my book and put it on my website, put it on my social media, so they can start getting an idea of what the back what the story may may be about. So to get get them just kind of interested, right? And I wrote two short stories, and those two short stories they ended up being a part of the book. Uh, and the way I did it is a little different, but they ended up being the prologue. I had two short stories that I put out there back in, one was in July and one was in August or early September to try to get people to, to see a little bit about the book ahead of time. So a whole year before the book was even finished, I was already marketing uh, the book itself. So that was, a, a, I think, a good bit of advice that I received is don't wait until the book is finished and then start marketing. You have to have people, you know, um, anxious and wondering, okay, when is it going to be done? Um, and then they start telling other people about the book that's coming out. So that time period was really uh, crucial for me to, to get people to understand what this book was going to be about and kind of whet their appetite. So that's probably one of the best pieces of advice. And then once it's about to launch, man, there's, there's a lot of things that you can do, and, and but you can't do everything. So uh, I, I was fortunate that I have a publicist who has been, and actually now I have two publicists. I have a local publicist and a national publicist. And they are contacting you know, newspapers, they're contacting um, podcasts. Well, obviously one contacted you, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. uh, to try to get me to be able to, to speak this week. I've, I've spoken and had so many interviews just this week, this week of the, uh, well, last week before the, the uh, launch and then this week as well. So just trying to get your word out to as many people as possible um, ahead of time and then really, really submerging yourself in uh, marketing right at the end as well. Absolutely. That is very good advice. And it is something that I often share with my coaching clients when they're first coming to me. They're like, oh, what is your desired publication date? And they're like, you know, wherever it is. And I'm like, okay, then we need that time. We need that lead time. Yeah. You know, if you want to publish next month for something, there's not a lot of marketing time in there. <laughs> exactly. So um, you need to build that up. So very good advice for our listeners and our future authors out there to start marketing early. Early. Um, and, yeah, well before the book is even done. One um, prolific writer uh, who was in this uh personal development realm, Wayne Dyer, he used to, he said in, I think it's his book, Wishes Fulfilled, where, um, and this is advice that I give my clients all the time too, he would 
design a book cover for his book uh-huh. that he was writing on, you know, even if it's okay. just a mock-up, you know, especially if you're going to a yeah. publisher, they're going to change it, right? It's not going to right. be anything exactly. you created. Exactly. But anyway, exactly. he would just take that book cover and wrap it around uh, another book that was on his shelf so that he could see that sitting on his desk. And then uh-huh. it was just like, okay, I have to be in the mindset of both writing this thing, filling this book with my words, but also uh-huh. sharing that book with the world. And once you create a cover, if you are an independent author and you do have cover control because, you know, you yes. can get your cover designed as soon as you have your concept for your book, yes. quite frankly, you don't mm-hmm. have to wait until it's done. So the yes. sooner you have that cover design, the sooner you can start marketing that puppy. That's where, yes. you know, just as you have your pre-orders on Barnes & Noble, having that cover up there allows them to do that and start marketing your book before it's even ready. Yeah. There, yes. Absolutely. there, there are some authors who have been, uh, who do the interview circuit even before their book is written or yes. certainly before it's finished. So right. you don't have to wait until the book is done to start doing those things that's going to allow your reader to get their hands on it sooner or be right. itching for it as soon as it's available, right? <laughs> exactly. That's great. So that's very good. Very good advice for them. Thank you so much for that. So how mm-hmm. is it that our listeners can um, tap into you, uh, learn more about you or your work? and your book. How can they reach out to you? Uh, so, yeah, I have a, a website, and um, the website is Jer Armstead Jones, but I would tell you the best way to find it is, is Google it, and you can Google J-A-E-R. That's my pen name, by the way, Jer Armstead Jones. J-A-E-R. My pen name is Jer Armstead Jones. The uh, uh, J-A-E is kind of like my initial for Jared. I used to be call me Jay when I was younger. R is actually mm-hmm. my middle initial. And Armstead, jo- Armstead Jones is a combination of my biological father, uh, who I didn't really, I, ca- I can't say I didn't meet him until I was 13 or 14 years old. I had met him. I just didn't remember it because it was like when I was born up to like I was two or three, mm-hmm. and I just not remembered. So I was reintroduced to my biological father in my teens. His last name is Armstead, but throughout that time, I had a stepfather. His last name is Jones, and I took on his name when he married my mom when I was around four years old. So, Jared wow. Armstead Jones is my pen name, um, but the best way to find me is just to, to Google Jer J-A-E-R, Media Group, Jer Media Group, and then you can find me online, and you'll find my um, website, you'll find... Um, uh, my book on my website, and of course, I said it's also uh, on Barnes and Noble and, and uh, Amazon as well. But Jer Media Group is the best way. And can you give your book title again for them? Yes, absolutely. My Invisible Father. My Invisible Father. Great. And we will have links to all of your resources on our show notes. So all of our listeners Great. can just go to the show notes for today's episode and they'll be able to. Awesome tap into you as well. So thank you so much for sharing. It's been an Mm -hmm. absolute pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you so much for your thoughts, your advice, 
and and for the information um, that can come out of a great fiction book. So thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it. I thank you for having me. I thank you for even the advice that you give me that now I'm going to, you know, start using some of that as well. I'm I'm looking at your website. I see there's some to- some tools and sources there that I can use. So I'm I'm happy that we were able to connect. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. been listening to the Worthy Writer edition of the Write Something Worthy podcast. If you'd like to know more about today's guest or even to reach out to them, you can find all of their information in our show notes at writesomethingworthy.com. Have a wonderful week and we hope you join us next Wednesday for another fabulous episode.